Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks, welcome back to the Mountain Westwire football podcast. MWR.com is the uh, website here. And you know what, Matt? We did it. We had five games yesterday, the most of any conference, and it was an eventful day. Week one of the college, or excuse me, week zero of the college football season. I was going to say, yeah, it, wasn't, it definitely wasn't dull. I'll give it that. We had people talk at smack where they deleted tweets in certain games because that was uh, dumb and stupid. We've had... No real upsets, but it has some surprises. Do you have we'll get we're gonna go to get to all the games here? Obviously, we had five games, but yeah, if you've missed any of our stuff, MWR.com. We have previews, some recaps, some news type stuff, some interesting news about week one and two coming up that's not relevant for today. But uh these teams play Michigan. There's some weird stuff going on down the road, but any big picture stuff we'll get to or should we just dive into the uh high score and rebel offense? Should we, can we reclaim them as the running rebels on the turf? Uh, well, they uh they were throwing it more than than were running it yesterday. I'm just saying high score. Although, good, although good you know, to be fair, they did both to you know pretty you know great effect. I would say. So let's just start there. They win 52-21. And were people not aware of the slot machine day last year? Was that a thing people? Did? I guess people didn't know that they had that last. I, I feel like people might have memory hold that unless they weren't paying attention. Well, we were obviously UNLV. Uh, it could be because their record last year was what two and ten or something, not very good. Mm-hmm. But if you're a killjoy, like a former NFL court, mediocre NFL quarterback who had issues off the field, quit talking smack and let kids celebrate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so and he ended up deleting his tweet. We're not we're not giving any publicity, but still, it's like, come on, let them have fun and win. And he did delete this morning, so I like to say it was my tweet. I said you can still delete this, and it's gone. So I'm going to say I took credit for it, Matt. Is that okay? I will allow it. Yes. So what was your thought about the Rebels game? They dominate Idaho State, who, again, not very good, really bad in the big sky. However, if you're the, a Rebels team that struggles to do a lot of things really good and you get you score 52 points, you win by multiple touchdowns, you have a huge first half, go nuts. And it's it's a better sign than them winning, like, we'll get Utah State, where is a closer matchup? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was. This is exactly the kind of performance that you wanted to see out of you out of UNLV in this game. And and to be fair, you know, it took them a little while to get going. I think you know they had a couple of of drives in the first quarter where, yeah, um, yeah, was it they had? Oh no, I'm looking at I'm looking at the wrong part of the depth chart. You know, they score first and then they kept chipping away. Really. 
you know, no matter where they were on the field. And of course, you know, I think what really helped is they, they benefited from an early turnover, but every single time they had the ball in the first half, they scored a touchdown or, or they scored something, you know, they had, they had a 39 yard field goal from, from Daniel Gutierrez. Mm-hmm. But this was better than we've seen the Rebels offense look in a long time. And so, like, you can put the caveat, yeah, it's only you to Idaho State, you know, in there if you want to. But again, this is exactly the kind of performance that I think you and I were both sort of on the same page on that we wanted to see from a, from a Rebels team that was going up against a clearly inferior opponent. Like, not necessarily to let them hang around, that they take care of business in, you know, every way possible. And so it was... Yeah, it was just, it is what it was. It was dominance on both sides of the ball, which we hadn't seen from this team in a while. Yeah, you, we, we saw all three quarterbacks play, but Doug Brumfield played majority of the game, four touchdowns, only had four incompletions, 356 yards. He looked pretty good. They had, like, the big shock of the weekend might be, like, who the heck is Ricky White, Matt? Do we know who that is? <laughs> well, I mean, if you listen to our team preview podcast, you'd know that he was a Michigan State tra- transfer, former four-star guy. Yeah. Uh and 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 seemingly pretty explosive. Yeah, I we expected like we the thing with him, it's like who the heck is that guy? Well, we've talked about in a recap show or not recap, but off season preview show. But most people thought, oh Kyle Williams will have an amazing game, which he defined with sixty eight catches, twenty two yards for a long and a TD. But Whitewood had that huge seventy two yarder, eight for one eighty two. We kind of felt I was more hesitant because we know Williams. It's more of all these transfers, like, well, who's going to be that guy? Are they are they transferring because they were number three on the depth chart? Their position weren't going to play. Did they have issues with the coach? Did the coach new coaching staff come in? Did they just get like say White's example? I'm not, I don't recall exactly, but you're a four star guy who never sees the field because of you just you peak kind of at high school age, which some guys do. Like, oh, they're the bigger biggest guy, regardless, fastest guy to get to college, and they can't take that next step because of whatever reason. But him coming in and doing this gives him another threat. Also with Jeff Weimer there. But White, like, no, nobody expects, I don't care who you're playing, FCS school or not. That type of performance was, I would look, I, I don't have the full stats for the entire whole week zero, but that's probably the best wide, one of the best wide receiver performances out of every game in week zero. I think you're probably right about that. It has to be. Like, and that's, that's a good thing for, for the Rebels because, yeah, Williams played fine. They're 50, like, they were going down the field as well. They had, what four at least four plays of twenty plus yards or more down the field? This type, uh, of... yeah, I believe so. I'm looking. I'm just looking at the main box. Well, they out. had four different. They had four different receivers that had a catch of at least twenty yards. So it was at least four. Yeah, um, and, I, and like you mentioned, it was that it wasn't that they were you know creating big plays. Is that they were also spreading the ball around mm-hmm. as well. You know, Shelton Zeon got in on the action early. I think it was on their first scoring drive. He had a couple of big catches to sort of, you know, you know, help them, you know, punch it in with Aiden Robbins on the ground. But, you know, Kyle Williams got involved. Isaiah Griffin got involved. Weimer got involved. White got involved. And so, like, that was more or less what you wanted to see, you know, all of these new athletes coming in. And it sort of, I think, spoke to a lot of the, the talk that we had heard throughout fall camp out there where they felt confident that they were, like, bigger, faster, stronger. And I think maybe more so than anything in this game, that was the best evidence towards that. Yeah, and so if you're supposed to be bigger, faster, stronger than Idaho State, but we'll see when they play Texas State next week and moving down the road for. Well, they play Cal. Oh, Cal. Sorry, why did I say Texas State? Sorry, Cal's in two. Because Nevada right? plays Texas State next week. What? I see. Matt, look at all these schedules. Everything. Sometimes, so things get a little mixed up. But yeah, they play Cal on the. They get an off week and go to Cal and. The only, like, this game is good. You see Harrison Bailey came in, did do great, did need to. Cameron Friel came in for a couple of throws, had that touchdown. <laughs> but the de- defense won five sacks against this team, allowed 50 rushing yards, which includes sack yards, so I don't know the difference. But their leading rusher for Idaho State had only 20, 26 yards, nothing longer than eight yards by Hunter Hayes. They got after Tyler Vanderwall, who didn't do very well. They had to play two quarterbacks because Hayes was in there as well. Actually, me three. Well, Sagan, Groner played as well, but basically two QBs. The only small issue I had is that they gave up five sacks in their end. But besides that, that's uh, that's about it. Really. I mean, that's the only downside I saw is five sacks and a little bit slow start. Yeah, but I think it's important to keep in mind that four of those came in the second half after Brumfeld mm-hmm. gave way to, to both Bailey and Friel. Like in, in that first half, he was only taken down one time, which yeah. – it, you know, in it itself is, you know, market improvement 
from from where they were on a, on an average week last year. And so I think that's another thing, you know, another point in sort of that that favor of them being just sort of a more physical team overall. Yeah, and the only like I'm not saying downside, but like when they have their backups in there, they should have. I I kind of chewed away from this game. They're up 45 to seven. I'm like, okay, we got other games going on. I'll kind of leave this mm-hmm. one to be because it's in the book. But I would like to have seen the second team and third team guys second half maybe play a touch better against a very inferior Idaho State team. But that could also mean Rebels' depth isn't great because we know it's not. But there's not that's like very nitpicky. It's like, well, they did this second half only scored seven points. We're ten, we're outscored by a touchdown. But running game looks solid with the three guys getting multiple carries in there. Four guys actually would include Brumfield. Like Courtney Reese had no touchdowns, but 10 yards of carry had that big, big long run. Jordan Young Humphrey had that 30 yard run. They were more explosive than they've been. And I don't care who they, I don't care who they beat. This is a huge confidence builder they need and a week off to go over anything that they need to work on for Cal in two weeks, who is. I don't care what Justin Wilcox brings. They're not a good offensive team. That's going to be a low-scoring matchup, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that game is definitely looking more like a like a very interesting litmus test because you know if, if past precedence is any indication, the Golden Bears are going to they're going to probably be pretty good, pretty stingy on defense, in particular. Mm-hmm. And it, so I, I have to imagine that that unit is going to pose a much stiffer test for. You know, I, I, uh, an offense at least for one week looked pretty sharp, sharper than we had seen them in a long time. No turnovers, also, which is good. Uh, as of well, right no, didn't, now, didn't Brum, didn't uh, didn't Brumfield lose a fumble? Or was that my imagination? Or did he have a fumble? Uh, maybe he had a fumble. I'm looking at ESPN's turnovers total; they had zero. Maybe it's a fumble, but not lost fumble. Uh, maybe it was recovered. Yeah, recovered. So, yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, says no, no fumbles lost. I know there could be an issue because our buddy Josh put something over in our DMs about. Uh, this guy didn't have six sacks in the game. I forget what game it was, <laughs> but he pointed out. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's like the Utah State game, I think. Oh, it was. oh to, to that end, they, you know, they had two fumbles, but they didn't lose either of them. Okay, yeah, hold the ball on that time. But they are, yeah. So right now, FPI has Cal as a still. I don't know if it's updated or how frequently, but it's basically an eleven point edge for Cal, seventy eight percent chance to win. But you know what? Doesn't matter. They are one and zero. Want to know? And that's hey, they're halfway the win total from last year, so we'll see. All right, next game, are we going to Utah State, uh, UConn? Which, uh, oh boy, what do you feel about? You know what I want to say? People are gonna be mad at me. This Aggies team, well, it's a it's a compliment and not. They looked like last year's team, <laughs> which is not always the best, because there's a stat they won thirty one twenty, excellent to get the win. But did you see? I'm not sure how much you watched early, very beginning of the game. You probably did, but I'm just bringing it to the attention of everybody. They noted, I think, in September, and I, I forget. Oh, I wish I had Friday because I remember them saying basically out of the first uh, something about first quarter deficits, we Utah State was trailing in a lot of those games. I think it's nine to fourteen games they were down in the first quarter last year at some point, mm-hmm. which isn't shocking because the Mexico State other game that's a big game but they end up blowing them out where they had slower starts. And maybe maybe UConn's improved. I don't know. With Jim Moore, maybe what, he, what he's doing is improved. They the rush defense leaves a lot to be desired for Utah State at the moment. But they had a slow start, but they end up getting in a huge second quarter where they turn things around after getting down. So that's great. But they uh for being defending champs and bringing arguably top two quarterback back in the conference, there were some great throws by Logan Bonner. But overall, I was like, okay, they did fine, but I do think the slow start and not putting away a really bad team is a little bit nitpicking for concerning. They won by 11 points. They, this team should not be beating UConn by just 11 points. Yeah. I mean, this the way this game turned out, like I would be very interested if somebody out there put out what the, you know, what the win probability would have been had this game played out. Well, Bill C sort of that, right? team A Bill's... versus team B rather than like, you know, somebody puts somebody sometimes put that out there. Sometimes it's Bill C. Sometimes it's Parker Fleming on Sats of War. This seems like a game in upon retrospect that is built for overreactions both for and against Utah State. Because yeah, I think to this, your point, yeah. yeah, they they probably should have won this game by more than 11 points. But I think you know you really have to take a magnifying glass to it to recognize that like once they you know once they took control at halftime. And again, they were only up 10 at halftime. Mm-hmm. But that was basically the game right there. 
Well, we just go, yeah, he outscored them twenty four zero because because, had... and, and, because I just and I just want to lay this out there because I feel like adding adding this layer of context to what I'm trying to say is important because mm-hmm. they still had over five hundred total yards of offense. They had they averaged over six yards of play, six point four. That'll play. That's you know, why I'm were, saying that, that's why were, I'm saying it's like last year where they this end of the final score is an indicator of how good they actually played. They said they were, they were three, awesome. three in the red zone. They scored three touchdowns inside the twenty. That'll play. Those two fades in the corner. Whew, those are amazing throws and catches. Yeah, you know, they got a they got a career best out of per, performance out of Calvin Tyler Jr. It, it, Thirty-three carries, hundred sixty-one yards. Can we rephrase that, uh, my man? Found, can, my man, Calvin Tyler Jr. Come on, give me some credit. That's here. Right. I told you. Listen right. to me early on, folks. 161 yards. Who the heck gets 33 carries if you're not playing for Wisconsin or a service academy? Come on. And they might have found uh, a worthwhile compliment to him. And Robert Briggs, true freshman, seeing his first extended action, 10 carries, 85 yards, and a touchdown. That'll play too. Mm-hmm. But they had three turnovers yeah. early in that game. And they gave up just enough big plays to sort of obscure the fact that, like, you know, if you look at the stat sheet and without watching the game, it doesn't really tell you the entire story. Because, yeah, UConn averaged over a little over five yards per play. They had, you know, 364 yards total offense. But but again, you have to look at, like, how they actually got there. Because Utah State held, you know, for, after to- uh, Taquan Robinson was a uh, Roberson, excuse me, was, you know, injured and knocked out for the game. Mm-hmm. You know, Zion Turner, true freshman quarterback, came in and he struggled. Like, let's let's put it that way. He was it was he was twelve of thirty one, hundred and nine yards, one interception, or excuse me, one touchdown, two, two interceptions. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Nate Carter, their leading rusher, did have one hundred and ninety yards. But I think it's important to note, and this is and this is a stat that I'm that I want to attribute to to Stats of War uh, on Twitter, Parker Fleming. So you, UConn had three hundred and sixty four yards of total offense. Basically, a third of that, 119 yards. So he put it out there, 32.7% came on three plays. So to put that in context, and I'll just, I'm going to, I'm going to use the exact words that he used here. So UConn averaged 3.6 yards per play on 95.8% of their plays in this game. Oh boy. And basically under 40 yards of play on 4% of their plays. So if you eliminate those sort of, you know, big plays where, you know, they, you know, yes, they got gashed a few times. And that is the kind of thing that could easily bite them against teams of better quality down the line. But they also had nine tackles for loss, too. So they were getting into the backfield a lot. You know, they forced a fumble. They had a couple turnovers themselves in the end. And so, yes, they got down. But we've seen them come out of this before. Wait, you and said there was like, and like I said, there was that jump. There was that juncture. Like as soon as Justin McGriff caught that t- caught that touchdown pass a couple minutes before halftime, I was like, okay, this is the Utah State team I expected to see. And yeah. even though they never really pulled away with it, they also never really let UConn back into the game either. Because you know, after those two early touchdown drives, like look at their drive chart. You know, their longest play after the first quarter, their longest drive is forty six yards. And it mm-hmm. ended in a field goal. You know, fumble, punt, 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 halftime, punt, punt. By that time, they just don't have enough time on the clock to be able to come back. And they don't. And that was really where the talent deficit that UConn is going to have to deal with this year really came into play too, because they just did not have the juice to come back into this game late. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't an A plus performance. I'm not going to say that. No. But it also wasn't like a like a like a D or an F tech performance. It was probably like, you know, a, a B minus C plus kind of thing. But Utah State showed plenty that you know if they can if they can keep what they did sort of in the middle of the game, and eliminate those mistakes that really kind of colored the early part of the game, they're going to be fine. Yeah, it's just that had and it's it's also who you're playing. I get all that. Like the, the stats are skewed. Look at more closely. But if they play a team that's slightly better running the ball, like say whatever the percentage is, like 90, those big plays you mentioned, if they're just a few percentage different where it's a little bit lower that number where the rest of their average was uh, a few a little bit better, they'd have been in real trouble this game. 
But then again, it's like you can go both ways. Oh, if you take away the big plays, this happens. But if you play a team that's a little bit better and they their percentage of outside big plays is higher, yeah, that's almost for any team. It's just there's a little slight concern when you get beat for a couple of big plays. Then again, that's the only big plays they had. But also they have guys like Brian Cobbs who came over from Maryland, led the team in receiving and touchdown. Uh, Van Leeuwen played well. McGriff played well. Um, Calvin Tyler said almost had 200 total yards of offense. So there's, it's not concern. It's also game one. It's like not everybody's hundred percent like ready to go. You should be, but I mean, it's your first game. You're most of these teams don't have full on scrimmages and tackle football. They kind of do limited hitting and what you can do, but guess mm-hmm. what? They win. It's one to know. And again, us saying it looks a lot like last year is a compliment and not a compliment because at times they're like, Ooh, what's going on here? But then they have that huge second quarter. I still think, as for what I've seen after game one, being more consistent throughout the whole game is what Utah State should and want to strive to be. Not saying they need to score 10 points every quarter so they score 40 points or something, but they can't. Like, there's kind of a bit of a swing here where it just seems it just seems a little bit off. And it sounds like I'm insulting about not. But I don't, when you play UConn, you're down 14 0, things don't look good. And that's what I'm getting at. Like, they had one huge quarter, but they need to just. And that's great to have. I'm I'm just nitpicking too much. That's all I'm getting at. It's it's like more consistency out of the team. Had they won, I don't know, 31 20 is fine. It's not a four touchdown favorite, which is huge and hard to cover regardless. But also give credit to UConn. Looks like they may have a few more players like Nathan Carter out there, and it might be a touch better than people thought. Maybe. I mean, there's they're still gonna have to work through that quarterback situation for sure. Yeah, depends uh, on because they had they had at least three guys under center taking snaps, and I don't think that's gonna necessarily work out well in the long run. No. But I mean, you never know. But I mean, as for as for the Aggies, there. I mean, despite the early deficit, I wasn't really concerned that UConn was going to pull away with that. No, when it was twenty four or fourteen, it's like if you're box score watching, it's like, well, they're only up by one touchdown or something, like or ten points, or not up by a lot, because there's the uh, six points in the fourth quarter. I got a yeah. T- there was a, a touch nervousness in the fourth quarter when it got within four points when they kicked that field goal. Because, dude, mm-hmm. that guy crushed a 54-yarder. And I'm like, dude, Noah, what's his name here? Noah Rules. No college kicker kicks that, kicks that field goal. It's very difficult. So when it's 24-20, there's a chance. I mean, like, there's – you're you're in this game if it's a one-score game, obviously. And so they played fine overall. But if you're just going to watch it, like, ooh, I don't feel comfortable leading you come by four with 10 minutes left in the game. They turned around, I think, scored on the next possession, I believe. Oh, no, they fumbled. It, oh, no, sorry, that's the earlier one. They did come around and score a touchdown to put away, which is good teams you do. It's like, okay, we screwed up on our last possession. Fumble, you guys got the ball scored points. We'll take the ball back and drain the clock for that 13-play, 75-yard drive to get essentially the game-winning touchdown. Yeah. And then they pick, and then they had the interception to end the game. So that's a great finish as well. When they got within striking distance, Utah State's like, nope, we're done. We're We're taking over this matchup. And that's what you want to see. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I guess now we have to talk about Wyoming, huh? Do we we have to talk about the game or can we talk about what I'm thinking about this Wyoming football team? Okay. Why don't we lead with what you're thinking about this Wyoming football team right now? So so there's a couple things. Um, 
it, it's all, it all comes back to the quarterback play. And it's not because I'm an offensive guy. Did you know, Matt, without looking this up, and I did some research to do a quick article this morning or sometime today about the quarterback situation because for context, the first of this game, it Andrew Peasley starts, goes five of 20, 30 yards of interception beyond terrible stat line. So I'm looking through, I'm like, okay, here's the quarterbacks they've had since Josh Allen because I'll remember the infamous post about, hey, help wanted, come join us. I Craig Bull has coached Josh Allen, top 10 pick. Also as part of Carson Wentz, his development to be, I know he's not great NFL now, but a, a top pick, Super Bowl champion. Like he's been, done good stuff in the NFL. So they've had Levi Williams, Sean Chambers, Tyler Vanderwall, Nick Smith, who technically threw two complete two total passes under the Craig Bull as a head coach, and now Andrew Peasley. Would you know their completion percentage over the past since 2018 has been under 50%? I won't spoil it for listeners who may not know. They were under 50%. Yeah. So basically, anytime the ball is in the air, coin flip, the ball is being caught or dropped. That is not good. And it's not like they throw six times a game. Six times a game. They throw not a lot, but double digits minimum. Like 15 is about what they're going through. They, they did complete 54% last year with the Sean Chambers, Levi Williams combination. But the prior years before, 2020, 2019, 2018, like they were throwing about four, they were 45%. Craig Bull can no longer talk about a quarterback situation. Like, Hey, I've coached these quarterbacks. Josh Allen, and I'll, I'll still die on this show. He was, he was fine that one. He wasn't, he was, he made great plays, spectacular plays, nowhere near efficient. And the offense wasn't built despite having, or the play call, despite having multiple off NFL players on his roster, on his team, a starting center, a running back in Brian Hill stuck around, a wide receiver and a tight end all in the NFL at some point, drafted or picked up as a team and made a roster, and they still barely couldn't, couldn't get anything done. There needs to be, and then he hires a freaking Polisek from Iowa, who's the offensive line coach. Well, what do you expect when you pull him in? We talked to, uh, oh, what's his name? He's now covering Ole Miss. Um, oh, geez. Michael, Michael Katz. Katz. Yeah, Michael Katz. Great fall on Twitter. Like He's like, well, I don't know. It's probably the same. What do you expect? You're hiring a clone of your head coach. So what they need to do, here's uh, here's what they really need to do. Like, I'm not advocating him to be gone, but his extension is only through 2024. It got extended in 2020. He's made a bowl game in four of eight years, not including this year, which is year nine. And I don't know what Wyoming fans want, but he's been so inconsistent where you've had uh, – they've also had – I don't know if you read my whole piece, but Matt, they are tied with, they're only behind Boise State and, and um, San Diego State for most players draft the NFL since Craig Bull's taken over. They're tied with Colorado State and Fresno with nine. The other two have about, so that's what I thought. So I'm like, okay, you got Josh Allen, you got a handful of uh, Brian, I don't know if Brian Hill's drafted, but uh, Corley, uh, oh, geez, Chad Muma, multiple defenders. There's a lot of guys. And we have Wingard, Wingard, who's hanging out undrafted, coming to be a starter in the NFL. It's like, come on. They with that with that much talent being drafted to the NFL and having success in the NFL, it's like, what? It, why can't he get it done at this level? And here's my thought that should be done because everybody knows him. Should know him, University of Utah guy. For for years, Kyle Whittingham would go every year, offensive coordinator, rotate, 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 rotate for no joke. Literally, I think at least eleven or twelve straight years of a new offensive coordinator. Which is not what you want to do to be, even though Utah was still above average and successful, except for one year without a bowl, without a bowl team and not including 2020 either. There's two technically. So what I'm getting at, he, what Kyle Woodenham's finally done, he brought back Andy Ludwig, who we're all familiar, familiar with, San Diego State, Utah before when they were in the Mountain West. He's like, all right, Ludwig, you take over the offense essentially. I'll kind of, uh, we still want to, he's like, here's what we kind of want to do. We want to run the ball a lot, which Wyoming does quite well. Utah now does some tight ends. Receiving group, TBD is always almost. He let him take over the offense. But it's still an offense where they can move the ball well, but they still rely on their defense. It's a lot of ground game. And Utah's finally this year, they're saying they're going to spread out and throw it, which Craig Bull said in spring. I joked about the quarter, buddy, Jesse, put in our DMs about this quote. I'm like, this quote could be from any of the past five years where we're going to open the ball and allow our quarterbacks to throw. He just... He cannot claim to be this guy who does it, and he needs to hire an offensive coordinator who's an offensive guy. It's like here's the basics we want to do. We want a tight end or two. We want we really want to run the ball first, mostly, but they still need to find wide receivers. Like San Diego State does as well. Like their offense isn't amazing, but they get it done when they need to get done without turning the ball over and 
with Christian Chapman and other guys, I know he's been their best quarterback, but they're not, they don't need a guy. They don't have, you don't see San Diego State have a guy throw up four for 20 times. Six of six of nine, seven of 10, eight, uh, 12 of 20. That's okay. But their quarterback play is just, it's the same old. He, they just ran the ball four times, the quarterback with Peasley. They, my point being, he needs to find OC that will just let him run the offense and go. It's like Mike Leach does when he's offense. Defensive coach, you go do your thing. I trust you completely. I'll run the offense and everything else. That's the point where they're at, where nothing's changed. It's just so frustrating where they're so close, where their defense produces so much NFL talent and those draft picks I mentioned, and they're basically fighting for seven wins every year. You want to know the problem with all that, though? It's Craig Bull head coach. I don't know. What is it, money? What? Well, no. The, the, the problem with that is, with all that is, at least on Saturday, everything was bad. Well, there's that too. I didn't. I'm not even get to that point. Because I'm just kind of. I'm just speaking more. <laughs> well, okay, that's, okay. that's the problem I, I wanna, too. I want to name. I want to name one exception because Titus Swin did absolutely the best that he could given the circumstances. Yeah. 17 carries, 98 yards. You know, just, just I'm, I'm, you know, to put this in the, pro, the appropriate context again, same as we did for Utah State in their in their defensive performance. You know, Wyoming had seven running plays that totaled 125 yards. You know, Andrew Peasley had a couple nice scrambles, which explains why he was the team's second leading rusher. You know, Swen had you know the other five himself. But you know, on the on the afternoon. They had a grand total of 212 yards of total offense. And so for those of you who don't like feeling like uh, doing the math, um, that's less than two yards per play. If you take away the two scrambles from Peasley and the handful of big runs that Titus one had, that's a problem. They average four and a half feet per pass. Feet, not yards, feet per pass attempt. 1.5 yards. They also <laughs> let the good. Illinois offense walk all over them too, which doesn't walk over anybody ever because they don't have an. Well, no, as it, as it turns out, Chase Brown is in fact very good. Well, he nineteen is issue, carries, yeah. one hundred fifty one well, yards, two touchdowns. I'm just saying, typically, their offense is not to be feared. Is usually not to be feared. Yeah, I mean, usually not. But again, you know, they had a new offensive coordinator who'd done some some nice things down in San Antonio. They do have talent there. And they were really able to exploit the Wyoming defense in a way that not many opponents have in recent years. And, and oh, by the way, also they had two turnovers as well. Wyoming did, which, yeah. which didn't help matters either. It was just, oh, and oh, by the way, the, the punter, the Clayton Nichols, who won the competition with Ralph Bawas also shamed a couple of punts as well. Yeah. Like he, you know, he had one that was 59 yards and that's nice, but on the, on the afternoon, still under 40 yards of punts, still. Yeah, put the Cowboys in a really terrible field position <laughs> and you know disadvantage a couple times early in that game. It's yeah. you know it was basically everything that could go wrong did in this game, but it also didn't look like anything was going to get better, and that's what concerns me. One of twelve on third downs. That's it's yeah, that's a pro. That's there's everything's wrong. Because, I don't know what to take from this team. They because just in you're right, it, you know. Nothing's going to get easier from here. Like, you know, Northern Colorado is, you know, like we just talked about with Idaho State, not projected to be a very good Big Sky team. But other than that, Tulsa could put up a fight against this team. They probably should. Right now, Tulsa, 65% chance to win an FBI. Yeah. And that does not surprise me. Because the offense, because the offense basically offered nothing and the defense didn't offer a whole lot of resistance. You know, only four TFLs. And, you know, they just often look lost in a way that they don't often. And and if they don't have the things that are their typical strengths, then this could be a long season if they don't figure it out in the next handful of weeks. So I during the, going, because we only got five games, we can talk a bit longer about certain stuff here. But when we go back, like what we thought about preseason, I need to pull my win projections here, but... Most people, I thought uh, quarterback a message. I th- I felt this would be the same team where the only reason I gave him a shot versus Illinois because I didn't think first off I didn't think Illinois would be that good, and they still may not be, but I'm not entirely sure. But I figured the defense would have its typical resistance of this game might be 24 to 10 or 24 to six, not like they'd be within two touchdowns easy. Like there's games where you think this game I thought like oh 21 to six that's not too bad 17 to six 
but the defense is not showing much. Their offense is a complete mess besides Swen. And people were saying this is a dark horse team to go to the conference title game. I, I don't know where this is coming from. It's just uh, even like I know we have one game to books. It's very minimal sample of what's going on because I ended up picking them. I let's see. I, I ended up six and six. I need to re. I can't. I need to readjust that because I don't know, man. It's a bowl game. See, I know it's one game. We're probably overreacted definitely, but. Should we overreact to your DM where he said they should just run the triple option now? <laughs> I mean, if I mean if they're going to be that rough throwing the football, they might as well at a certain point, right? Because if you listen to Split Zone, do I know Godfrey like he loves a triple kind of half kidding, but not really. But if you look mm-hmm. at what what Wyoming does or what their resources are, I'm not talking about money, but resources, location, and what they want, and what fans want, there kind of like there's no talent in Wyoming. There's no talent in Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Idaho. There's a little bit more, a little bit more in Utah. But if you're Utah, you'd rather high school player, you'd rather go to if you're the caliber of Wyoming player, Utah State, maybe BYU in there if you walk on to Utah, or you heck you may just go to somewhere in California and play instead. It's like there's there's hard to get talent to come to town. Weather is also a huge issue, despite it being very beautiful place on certain times of the year, but those type of things to flip it to give yourself an advantage. This isn't 1996. We're going to the whack title game and challenging BYU to spoil their season to the Cotton Bowl. Those are days that are di- difficult to come back here. Josh Allen coming through was a honestly at this point for what we can tell from the recruiting and what their coaching style is. And even that was kind of lucky and it took an injury to get him to start as well. So I don't know, man, it's, I know it's game one, but you lose to Illinois bad. You showed no signs of life. Like you said, there's no reason for at least through the game where things were changing for the better. And the the problem is they have a lot above average NFL talent. That, they can get NFL talent to come through that door. Yeah. I mean, they, they got to get it fixed soon and Tulsa's not going to be much easier. Let me ask you right now. if Is it a bowl game or bust for Craig Bull to keep his job this year with his contract up in two seasons? I don't think so. Because I think even if even if this year ends up as a down year, I think they'll just end up treating the, the second season on that contract as more of a prove it type of year. And if he doesn't and if that doesn't pan out, then they'll just let him go. Because he's there's no way only the only coach recently has done that Jim Harbaugh where they go into a final year as a lame duck. Because mm-hmm. I was looking around, I I've almost wrote that article that I saw something from twenty twenty that he signed the one year deal, which basically what that was, here's a one year add on. No raise, no bonus, just everything the same. That was just we don't want to lose you, and it's 2020. We it's hard to find a coach during that year. But I I think there's a if they go four and eight, I think there's at least a 60 percent chance he's gone. Yeah, I don't know. I don't buy it. His buyout's not even two million dollars, but that's only if he takes another job. So I don't I don't, I couldn't find out what it was if if they just fire him outright. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, that's that's my all right. Let's move on to Nevada, New Mexico State. That was delayed by. Uh, do you even know what high school game was delayed for on ESPN or ESPN two, whatever brought, network broadcast this game? <laughs> Something in Texas, I think. I honestly don't remember. Probably, and I think there's a weather delay as well. So this game, twenty three to twelve, we have no real clarity of the quarterback situation. Shane Illingworth got the start, but Nick Cox played nearly as much, but did not. Neither played. Neither played well. Seventy eight total yards. I will say this about this game. Um, we, Matt, we were almost dead on for Toa Tawa, Devontae Lee having like the numbers we wanted. No kidding, right? We, what did we say? 175 and they got 170? 175. <laughs> and what did they get? 170. 170. Technically, sometimes 170. We, sometimes we know things. Hold on. I'm going to say we got it right because Toa Tawa, I, I, did I say combined yards or rushing yards? Because Toa had four more receiving yards to give a. Uh, well, I, when I was talking about it, when I gave my prediction, I talked about combined yards. Then we I, said, I, I said if they get 200, they're going to be in very good shape. And I think if they got 175, that they were going to be just fine. They got 174. And, and then they ended up at 170. Well, four receiving yards, 174. Toa mm-hmm. Tawa. 
So that's a good thing. The defense, oh boy, this, I know it's New Mexico State, but you held any team to 12 points. Two were 10, were not technically, were factually a safety, but they brought in the, was it the Wake, Wake Forest trains for Isaiah Assisma. Assisma, I was trying to get right to Assisma. Two, two interceptions. Tyson Williams a pick. Bentley Sanders a pick. Their defense looked pretty strong. Don Peterson, was his pick like disallowed or something? Like he had a, it must have been, yeah. There was some, there's one or two that were super close. Even he did have a forced fumble though. Maybe that's what it was. I know it's TFL, but there's one or two. Cause on this game, I watched the YouTube, there's a YouTube channel. I don't have in front of me, but they do really good cut ups where it's like a 30 minute game. And I don't have always time to watch every game because it's hard, Matt. You got stuff going on. You don't have, if you're not watching it live you have to watch two games at once, that takes a lot of time to catch up. So I'm watching that. So I didn't get all the full context. Maybe a couple of times for huge plays. There's two interceptions from one from each team that looked like it was a pick, but they disallowed. But the defense played did pretty good. Like the passing game, New Mexico State had to play a couple quarterbacks in there. They were under 50%, 200, just over 200 yards, but the four picks or secondary was everywhere. And it looked, uh, and this does make some shock. We have a Ken Wilson running this defense. He's a defensive minded coach from Oregon and obviously Nevada before. So doing what they did defensively, quite well like there was no rushing attack that was great for New Mexico State Diego Pavia had one big run and there's that one deep the one long pass to a Justice Powers who was but he only had two catches yeah I was gonna say you know New Mexico State basically got about I want to say a third of their total yardage in this game maybe a little bit less on just a handful of plays they had the 27 yard run that you mentioned which I think was compounded if I'm not mistaken by a by a 15-yard penalty um, that put Nevada on the ropes, at least, you know, for a little bit. Um, but, yeah, other than that, you know, they had a 35-yarder in the first half. Uh, on, I think it was on the first or second drive. Uh, and then they had the 67-yarder mm-hmm. in the second half. That was it. 125 yards or something like that for those three plays? Yeah. So, like, even though they outgained them on a per-play basis, again, that's where you have to sort of break it down. And if you didn't watch the game you might think that they outperformed them. And I don't think that that would be the case. No, they're, they got the safety off the bad snap, which is not ideal, but also if you look more deeply, New Mexico, or excuse me, yeah, New Mexico state five or 12 on third down efficiency wise, Nevada, pretty good. Eight to 17, 50, just under 50%. That's not terrible. It's not great, but it's fine. Um, they were not as disciplined, eight turn penalties for New Mexico state to six and then five plus five. That's the only thing. As a small, I can't find a quibble. You're plus five. You only won by eleven points. The offense yeah, so, doesn't work. Yeah. So the you know, the upside is you know they got seventeen points off of those five turners, like turnovers. Turners. That's that's good. Yeah. yeah. They were also four four in the red zone. Also good. Less good that they had to settle for three field goals in the red zone. Mm-hmm. But you know, at the same time, you know, again, eight of sixteen on third downs. I don't think that you might have expected that from the sort of a new look offense, I think they didn't really get a lot of clarity in the quarterback competition, though. Nope. It wasn't that Illingworth and Cox were bad, per se, but I think, you know, you're probably going to see a, a sort of a continued extended audition next week against Texas State as well, which we'll, we'll talk about more at length in the preview podcast later. But, you know, they it sort of came out, I can't remember if it was late last night or to, uh, earlier today, you know, Wilson was sort of talking with the local media about, you know, the justification for why he things played out the way that he did. And it came out after the fact that Illingworth, I think, was dealing with a hamstring injury, which is why they ultimately let Cox finish the game. Okay. And, you know, he did come in and he did help out with that running game. Like we mentioned Tawa and Lee, but Nate Cox, I don't think he would have pegged him as somebody who could contribute 37 yards, but that's exactly what he did. Uh, so... You know, they didn't necessarily create a lot of big plays in the passing game, but I think what they envisioned as far as being a more ball control offense, at least against New Mexico State, that worked out just fine. Yeah, we'll see what does. I would, I would imagine, I mean, I would imagine that they will probably need to find a way to create more explosive plays down the line, but at least for one week, you know, they got, you know, they got enough of them, especially on the ground. Um, where they were able to sort of keep a, again, I would say an inferior opponent at arm's length. And sometimes that's just all you need. 
And remember, people thought Nevada, I filled out my power pool ranking. I mean, pulled up here when we talk about it when we wrap up here. But there's a lot of people, including myself, who thought Nevada could very well be the worst team in the conference. And yeah, they only beat New Mexico State by 11. But there's a lot of positives. The running game, we knew, we knew Tua Talent, Devontae Lee would be their two key stars. Um, I thought BJ Castillo had a better, bigger game than he did, which is kind of unfortunate. He had just one catch for three yards. But also, we felt the defense would keep them in some games when they're playing teams more in love, like when they play UNLV. We'll see how that goes later on. Hawaii, stuff like that. But we knew the well, defense would do well. That's really the beauty of it, isn't it? Their veterans led the way in this game. Tawa, Lee, mm-hmm. Tyson Williams, who you mentioned, Isisma, who was a starter last year. Bentley Sanders, also a starter last year. Mm-hmm. You know, we know all about Brandon Talton. Yeah. And so, you know, while they while they continue to get the rest of that sorted out, you know, I think we sort of talked about, especially with the secondary in particular, I always thought that that would be a strength of theirs. You know, the question was, you know, are they going to get enough help up front for them to sort of flex that strength? And and while they didn't get any, you know, sacks in this game, they definitely put enough pressure on both Pavia and Franks to make it worth their while, to make it to make them opportunistic in the way that they were last year. And oh. that is the kind of thing that could keep them in a lot of games this year where they you might not expect them to be. Yes. And I need to correct something we've blatantly missed in this game that we should discuss later on. Are you talking about the touchdown or the turnover triton? Heck yeah, the turnover triton. Like that's amazing. That's it's no slot machine that Vegas has in the corner, but I'm, I'm, it's, I guess it's named after the USS Nevada. That was part of, uh, yeah, World, it was given World to them after a trip to a recent base of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. But that, it's just amazing. Defense shows up. They're holding the gold Triton out there. It's like, yes, give me more of this. Mario Cristobal, who gets rid of the hurricane, uh, turnover chain, get over yourself. Have some fun. I want the boy state to bring back the turnover throw. Is that even, can Andy Alvarez bring that back? Why not? Come on, guys. Bring us, I want the funness to happen. Give me the turnover plank for Kennesaw State. I want all of it. And they stepped up and they deserved it with five turnovers in this game. And that's awesome. It's the best. It's stupid and fun. That's what we like it, right? It's That's one and zero. Sometimes that's what it takes. All right. Next game. Final game. Oh, man. I feel it like it's promising a, for a moment. A fleeting, brief moment. Very brief moment when they were leading Hawaii was uh, leading seven to zero opening drive go 75 yards, 37 yard run for the touchdown by our man, Dedrick Parson only to lose 63 to 10 to Vanderbilt. Oh, what, what, how do we start with this one, Matt? Cause it's a, uh, it was painful, brutally painful and, or possibly should we give credit to that random media member who voted Vandy number one in the SEC. <laughs> Maybe they were onto something. Oh, man. So, like, what do you take away from this game besides Mike Wright being a really good dual-threat quarterback? And- Mike Wright's got a little bit of that SEC speed that they that they talk about, don't they? Yeah, 300 total yards, four total touchdowns. 87, 87-yard touchdown run goes, poof, he's gone. He only passed okay. Like, he wasn't great, but just what they needed to do. But their running game had 400, over 400 yards. So this Hawaii defense has a lot going, or excuse me, a lot to work on and not a lot going for them. And that's going to be a big concern when they give up that many yards per play, especially on the ground. Yeah. I mean, you asked me what happened in this game, and that was going to be my answer. Because Everything. especially when you look at the splits between the first half and the second half. Um, Third quarter, know, it, buddy. Yikes. Where it was, it was relatively, I mean, not relatively comparable, but it was respectable in the first half. You know, they were only down by 11 going into halftime yeah. and the total yards advantage wasn't so overwhelming in Vanderbilt's favor that you didn't think that, you know, if the Warriors could make some adjustments that they might be able to, to, you know, make the game a shootout and make it interesting in the second half, because, you know, I look at two numbers that flipped from the first half to the second half, third downs, first half Hawaii was four of eights, 50%. Vanderbilt was only one of five and they were also one of three on fourth downs so you know they were they were rolling the dice, but Hawaii was making enough plays to sort of limit scoring opportunities or limit limit opportunities for drives, right? Mm-hmm. The other one I look at is just straight up yards per play, where yes, Vanderbilt did have the per play advantage, six point seven to four point nine. In the second half, though, like you said, the wheels came off. They gave up 
10 yards of play after halftime. Nearly all of it on the ground. It wasn't pretty after that. And and that really was, you know, the difference in the game. And going back to third downs, you know, what success they had in the first down in the first half, they just they weren't able to to keep it up in the second half. They were only one of eight in third down tries after halftime, where Vanderbilt, again, flipping the script, they were one of five in the first half, four of six after halftime. Those are really just those are really the the differences in the game, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Like they were close in that first half. And then the points just kind of, uh, you know, went away. Or the de- points went away for them, well, not for Vandy, obviously. That that 35 they come out in the second half, they're close. I know they don't get the ball, but they're down, like you said, what, 21-10? Re- within, clearly within striking distance, but they switched quarterbacks. They went with jo- Joey Ellen and Braden Schrager, which we kind of knew they weren't sold on one guy or the other, but they didn't throw very well. They were had to throw 55 times. I guess a good, if you want to look at the positive, we kind of go there. They found Joe Pinocchio Pinocchio did really good, 100 plus yards. They had James Phillips with seven catches. Uh, they threw so many times. What, what, what's his name? Walt Hall had five. So they have a handful of receivers. They pass it to a bunch of guys. So there's some confidence there of like, they know they have a bunch of pass catchers. They need to find out who's going to be their starting quarterback uh, when they play next game. And, but, but obviously the real concern is defense, man. They, like I said, first half, fine. Second half, yikes. It was, uh, yeah. and they got, and here's the thing. They got Western Kentucky next week. Good luck. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially since, you know, just, I look at the fact that they had zero sacks, zero TFLs in this game. Make a play, guys. Come on. Yeah. Like they made, like I said, they made a couple early stops, but they basically just did not get enough pressure on the quarterback. Oh, man. Do you want to know what the current spread is between them and Western Kentucky? Uh, yeah, I do. It's at Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Minus 16. Or plus, excuse me, they're plus 16. They're, they're 16 point home underdogs. I have a feeling that line's probably going to go up by a few. You think it'll reach three touchdowns by start by kick time late Saturday night next week? Maybe. Pick Center has a, or teamrankings.com predicts 41 to 24. Are they, can they score 24 points? I mean, if they, I think if they can move the ball like they did early in this game, they can be a little more competitive. It's just, you know, are they going to offer enough resistance on defense to make it, to, to even make it into a shootout? Yeah, because when really quick, Western Kentucky, they played Austin P, who's not great, and they gave up 27 points to them. Mm-hmm. So there's that to consider. But I don't know, man. It's, it's, from this game, because maybe Vanderbilt, like, I don't, it's week one, it's week zero, whatever. We don't know. Hey, is UConn going to go somehow six and six or seven to five? Is Illinois going to go nine and three and contend for a Big Ten insert division title here? Probably not. But is Vanderbilt going to compete in the SEC East? Are they in the East? I think I don't know. They are in the East. East. Okay. So they get to play Missouri, Florida, what, Tennessee? They get to play Kentucky, Georgia. Georgia, South Carolina. Hey, it's not going up. But I'm just saying, are they going to finish seven to five? And go to a bowl game, like under Clark Lee's or head coach. It's like, is that gonna happen? I don't know. They play it's uh we'll see, but that's one thing to say. Well, maybe they'll be really good, but I don't know. Vanderbilt, not unless not since James Franklin has been there, they've been good. So it's a tough start. We hope for the best. And come on, it's it's gotta get better for Hawaii. I know it's it, here's the thing. Hawaii fans should know this. We've said this, people should realize. This is going to take a couple years to get going with Timmy Chang being so inexperienced as a head coach. But yeah, I think that's that, probably true. And especially, you know, with the, with the, I think the other thing to keep in mind too is like, yeah, they they were disappointing overall on third downs. But again, they were successful when they were able to manage those situations. So they were five of sixteen overall. If you're looking for silver linings, though, keep in mind they were five of six on third and short. So when they had four yards or fewer. Those are the things that you hold on to, even as the things like on the whole may not be as pretty from week to week. Yeah. There's something here, but it may take a while to get there for a full 60 minutes. Yeah. Cause they have, I know the offense scored 10 points, but they have some pieces there. Parsons, all the receivers we mentioned, find a quarterback. Like if here's what need, like work on, find a couple of things here and there, stick with, find a quarterback, stick with them because 
maybe not throw 55 times, but when you're down by 50 points, you kind of got to throw no matter what. So mm-hmm. if they can be more balanced, if it's a closer game, because they are 55 to 26 run to pass ratio, defense can get, get the backfield a little bit more. I know it'll take a lot to be super competitive, but it won't take a lot to keep them close, I think. In some of these games, like when they play West Kentucky, they throw enough. Like maybe they didn't get some, they pick the guys off. Maybe Western's defense isn't that good and Parsons goes off for 125 yards and touchdown. And then they throw for 300 yards, but on 48 passes, not 55. So I think there can be incremental growth. We'll want to see. That's kind of my goal for them right now. Cause I never expect them to go to a bowl game. We felt to be pesky and fun, but they're, they were like that kind of in the first half. The second half, it's just, uh, Figure out those adjustments in second half and don't get run off the field, which is uh, unfortunately their end result in this Vandy game. So don't get. I remain optimistic. It'll take a minute, but like Texas State will be difficult. Like just really quick because they got obviously we've seen their schedule a million times, but Western Kentucky will be tough just because of what offense they bring. Michigan will be difficult. I think will I think things will get a little bit better. They got Duquesne, New Mexico State. Remember they still play Nevada and UNLV in this conference. So there's some a handful of games that'll be close, like going to San Diego State, obviously tricky at CSU. So you never know, right? Wyoming, what we saw, they're complete. They were not very good either. So there's some opportunities as of overreacting or just peering ahead about very little information, despite seeing a couple of games from the conference. They maybe, but I still think they need to work too. Hopefully, um, hopefully you're more right than I am. I guess we'll we'll just have to wait and see. Have you, did you do any power rankings? Did you fill ours out this week or are you still working on that? I, uh, no, I actually did. I, I did it like right after we got the form this morning. Oh, excellent. Who, um, who's the most angry fan base? Or, or let me ask you this. Where'd you put San Diego State? Cause that's always fun to talk about. <laughs> uh, I put them third. Okay. What was your order? What was your top six? Cause that's kind of all I care about at the moment. Well, I, okay. So I always subscribe at the very beginning of this thought exercise that if you're going to, if you're going to be the best, you have to beat the best. So I have Utah mm-hmm. State one. Oh, okay. People and then like I go you Air Force, San Diego State, Fresno, Boise, San Jose State. Okay. I have that same top six, but I'm going to Fresno State. And it's funny too. People are like, you always love Fresno, like on our main account. I'm like, guys, they've also been pretty good the past couple of years. It's not like it's out of nowhere. I, I went Fresno, Boise, San Diego State. And of course, Matt, everybody tells us, uh, Braxton, whatever from Virginia, Virginia Tech and Oregon is going to come in and light up the world. If you're a third time transfer, I hope for the best, but I'm not. I'm not going to be super optimistic about that. So we'll see. Then when Air Force, Utah State, who was your last? Who was number twelve for you? Because that's always fun too. Who's the bottom? Uh, Hawaii. Same. I almost put New- Wyoming eleven, but I went Wyoming, New Mexico, Hawaii. Also, where'd you put the Rebels? Because they had a good performance in Week One. I put them at number nine. Okay, I put them at number eight, sandwiched between Nevada and CSU. Is there any a lot of uh, season left though? There, there's. I'm, I'm just saying it's week one. That's why I wrote that overreaction piece. Cause I'm going to do every week and just spit some fire and have some fun with certain things out there. So, anything else you need to add about who's your big winner? You put your winners and losers. Who is your out of your three winners? Who is your number one guy? So people can go read that and you kind of give them just half of what you're talking about, or I guess technically a third of it. Well, okay, so in my head, I never really put them in an order, or rather when I'm writing it, I never really put it in order. But I think if I had to choose one over the three that I put, yes, I'd give it to Doug Brumfeld, UNLV quarterback. Yeah. You know, not only one. because of, of this sort of the, the single game performance, which in you know in itself, you know, I'll just put it out there for uh to, to whet people's appetite to go read the rest of the article. Mm-hmm. First UNLV quarterback since twenty eighteen to throw for that many yards. Was it three fifty two? Yeah, and it was also impressive enough that he's going to be the starter going forward. So that's one less question that the Rebels have to to think about, you know, as they're sort of trying to find their path back toward bowl eligibility, maybe a little bit more. Uh, but if you want to know the rest, you know, you got to go to mwwire.com and see it for yourself. I'm assuming he's going to be the conference player of the week you think on offense? Yeah, probably. Okay. His receiver catches those passes, but somebody throws in the ball, which is... Uh, He's going to have a very strong case. Yes, he should be the guy. So that's it for this week zero recap. MWR.com. Check out all of our stuff. We have week one coming up. Super busy week. I put my stupid bowl projections already for week zero because very little change, but I still made a, a one or two adjustments based on the results. So check those things out. 
Um, we'll have all of our Q and A's, everything coming forward this week. So just stay tuned to the site and we'll be back sooner than later to podcast. We're doing about two shows a week. We may break a couple up. Like I think we broke some up last year, Matt, where we depending on the days of the week, we may do that again. We'll see, but just stay tuned to the podcast, go over to, I don't know, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you um, get your free podcast from, go check us out there and we'll be back for a full slate of, are we doing, is it really 12 games next week, right? The week one, everything? I think it might be, yeah. Oh, no, sorry. UNLV is off. So it's only 11 games. We get a little breather to start the season going. Yeah. It, they have the off week before Cal. So we'll have 11 games yes, to talk about true. next week. And tune in to hear if I want somebody else to be fired next week because you never know, man. But uh, we'll see you then. And everybody, just uh, thanks for listening. And everybody's back. Everybody will have played again by next week. And it'll be glorious and exciting and fun.